Okay. So we are doing today, Friday's portion of Shalak, and we are in the middle of the saga of the Mun. And we have the Jewish people complaining of lack of food. We have God responding that he's going to give them this meat and the evenings and this special godly bread. I made a blessing on it, who brings that bread from heaven, the month. And now we have the Jews really agitated and complaining, and suddenly we have the glory of God visible in the cloud. And we're up to verse 11 of chapter 16. God spoke to Moses saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, in the afternoon you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be satiated with bread. You shall know that I am God, your God. Next verse. It was toward evening that the slav ascended. The slav is this type of bird ascended and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. The Rashi translates the slav as a type of bird that was very, very fat. In other words, it says they wanted meat, and then they got birds. So a person could say, well, they didn't ask for fowl. They asked for meat. So Rashi is explaining that this was a very unusual bird, and it was so fat and rich, it was like meat. And then in the morning, there was this layer of dew, which is implying, of course, that the dew is resting on the month. But in another place, it says that there was a dew descended, and on the dew came the month. So is it dew on month, or is it dew over month? So Rashi explains that actually we have two layers of dew. First, there's a layer of dew that descends on the ground. And then the mun comes in it. And then there's another layer of dew, like covering it over, you know, gift wrapping it in this box. Next, first the layer of dew ascended, and behold, it was over the surface of the wilderness, something thin, exposed, thin as frost on the earth. So the layer of dew ascended. So Raj explains that when the sun would shine, the dew on the mun is ascending toward the sun, which is what's natural for dew. And then Rashi says, and the Midrash explains, that as the dew is rising from the ground to the air, the mun is descending from the heaven, which means, and this is like the backwards order, because the dew is coming up from the ground and the bread is coming down from the heaven. And it's, it's thin. So dak thin is an adjective, so therefore Rashi gives a noun for it to be modifying something thin. Rashi explains and exposed, mechuspas. Mechuspas, Rashi says, is a very strange word. We don't have any other word like it in the Chumash. Rashi gives us three possible translations, all of which, of course, are relevant to the month. The first one is uncovered, and Rashi says there's no analogy. I have no way to prove it, but it means uncovered. And then Rashi says it could be relating to a word in the Mishnah, chafisa, which means like a, a sack, a case. And then Rashi says another way of understanding it is like the Targum, like the phrase machsof, which means to peel away. So we have this thin man between the two layers of dew. So it's as if when you peel away the layers of dew, you have the man. So it's like mechuspas, like machsof, peeled away. Compared to frost, kakfar. <clears throat> so Rashi is explaining that it's thin as gear, 
gear is a type of black ink. So it's as thin as gear, and it's like frost. It's hardened on the ground like ice. So it's thin as frost, spread out, thin, all in one piece, like a coating of ice. That was the thinness of this mun. The children of Israel saw and said to one another, it is mun, for they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, this is the food that God has given you for eating. Now, what did they mean by saying it is mun? So Rashi says mun, though there's many different commentators have different explanations of what they meant. Why did they call it mun? But Rashi says mun means like a generic term for preparing food. Like he brings a verse by yiman, lehem hamelech, which means the king prepared food for them. So mun is like the idea of a preparation of food because we can't call it anything specific. We have no clue what it is. So it's, hey, that's a type of food on the ground. That's why it says they didn't know what it was. If they knew what it was, they would have called it by its proper name. But they didn't have a name, so they just gave sort of this vague term of a preparation of food. The next verse, this is the thing that God has commanded. Gather from it for every man according to what he eats, an omer per person, according to the number of your souls, everyone according to whomever is in his tent shall you take. So Rashi explains that omer is the name of a dry measure. There was one omer per person per day of man. They couldn't get more and they didn't get less. And as per the number of souls, meaning based on how many people that you're responsible for, that's how much food you should gather. The children of Israel did so and they gathered. He took much and he took little. So Rashi explains that some people went out and they took a lot. You know, it looks good. This is food. I want to grab as much as I can. Who knows if it will be around tomorrow. And some people are lazy, are sick, are tired. They couldn't gather that much. Didn't make a difference. When they came home, everyone found, if you took a lot, if you took a little, you had exactly one oimer per person, or exactly the number of people you had in your home. So this was a very tremendous miracle within all, within all the miracles of this miracle food called the month. Moses said to them, no man may leave over from it until morning. But they did not obey Moses, and people left over from it until morning. And it became infested with worms, and it stank, and Moses became angry with them. So Rosh explains these people, the verse doesn't identify who they are, were Dustin and Avira. So they wanted to, you know, as always, they were around to try to disprove Moses. So, oh, he said, we can't leave it over. We'll leave it over. So it had layers and layers and layers of worms started coming, became infested with worms, and it stank. The Rashi explains, well, that doesn't really make sense. What do you mean? First you get worms and then it stinks? In other words, it stank is because it rotted. The Rashi says you have to switch the verse around, invert it. First it stank, meaning it was so rotten. Then it became worm infested, which will be the next degree of decay. In other words, first things rot and then they become wormy. So this was their consequence. In other words, they were trying to say, ah, ha, 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 ha. And they had this horrible, stinking, worming mass in their tents. Oh, my gosh. So that was the last of people trying to uh, leave it over and see what happened. They gathered it morning by morning, every man according to what he eats. And when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Meaning, Raj explains, so everyone's taking their omer, whatever they thought they took. In the end, they got an omer. But there were some that remained in the field. Now, you could say, well, why would God do that? I mean, if the same way he could be so precise, Every single person gets an omen, no matter what they think they gather. It can be equally precise. I mean, this is holy, godly food. I mean, to have exactly an omer for three million people. Why would there be even one drop extra? 
But there was an important point in it because then the extra melted in the field, dissolved, ran into the rivers. The animals drank from the waters. Then when the non-Jews of the world are trapping these animals and they would taste them, it, these animals taste different. There's, there's a very special taste here and they eventually somehow realize this is the taste of man. We're getting a little bit of a taste of what the Jews are living off of. Wow. So this, this heightened the esteem of the Jews in the eyes of, the, of all by this faint, faint shadow of what the man tasted like. It happened on the sixth day. So this happened for a week. Meaning, if you remember, we said yesterday that the day they complained, the day, the 31st day of their travels when they finished their 61st meal was Shabbos. So the first month fell on Sunday. So Sunday was really novelty. What's going on? Oh, it's Mon. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But Thursday became routine, a godly routine, a special routine. I, I doubt the effect wore off by just the fifth day. But they knew what they were doing. But then suddenly on that sixth day, something very weird happened. <clears throat> it happened on the sixth day that they gathered double bread, two omers for each. And all the princes of the assembly came and they told Moses. So now, again, remember every day, every day they come home and they measure because each person gets an omer. So they're measuring out the portion. And they said, wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? I, I, I gathered an omer. But for some reason I brought back two omers for each individual. I wasn't trying to gather double. I don't know what's going on here. Um, that's the normal of understanding this phrase, laktu lechem mishneh, double bread, meaning two omers. The Midrash says it doesn't just mean that. It means another way, since we can change the vowels, because of course there are no vowels written in the Torah scroll, mishuna. Mishuna means different, unusual, because that taste actually tasted different. Its smell and its taste was even better than normal, because if it was just trying to say two omers, it would just say two omers, which the verse said, shneha omer. Why do I need this unnecessary term, lechem mishna? So it's explaining to me that not only is it double, but it was also even more special. So they told Moses, meaning they were very confused. What's going on? Why do we get two omers? We're not trying to go against God's will. We know we only need an omer per person. So what's going on? So they, so they went and they said to Moshe, like, we're not trying to do anything wrong. What's going on? What's different about today? Because Moses hadn't told them yet. Now we, so to speak, the reader of the Chumash, we know the scoop. Because God told this to Moses on Shabbos, you know, almost a week ago. But Moses never told this to the Jewish people. He wanted them to experience it. And that, in order, instead of like knowing in advance, he wanted them to be like wowed out by it, like what's going on, which is exactly what happened. So he told them then, oh, this is what God said Meaning, this is what I'm commanded to telling you. Now, Rashi is explaining it as a negative thing. Of course, Rashi is not thinking that Moses is doing something wrong, but rather this is something we're supposed to learn from, that Moses should have told them in advance instead of having this experiential learning experience. And that's why later, when some of the Jews were misbehaving in connection to the man and God criticized them, he included Moses in the group for this issue of not telling the people in advance the special rules of Friday and the Sabbath. So, next verse, Moses, he said to them, this is what God has spoken. Tomorrow is a rest day, a holy Sabbath to God. That which you will bake, bake. That which you will cook, cook. And whatever is left over, put away for yourself for a safekeeping until the morning. So, whatever you want to bake, bake today, for today and tomorrow. 
whatever you want to cook, cook today for today and tomorrow. Because we have to keep it in storage. Meaning, Shemaris here was saying a storage, not it could mean like a stand guard over something. We're not worrying about standing guard, but we're storing it because this is actually your food for tomorrow. Because part of the Mun experience was sanctification of the Sabbath that we do not go out and collect on the Sabbath, Mun. Moses said, eat it today, for today is Sabbath for God. Today you shall not find it in the field. So in other words, in the morning of Shabbos, in the morning of the Sabbath, when they're used to going out to gather the Mun, they said to Moses, should we go out and gather it? And he said, no. That's why you got a double portion yesterday. Whatever you have in your hand, eat it. And then, towards the evening before the Sabbath had ended, they came back to Moses and said, are we supposed to gather now the month for tonight's meal? He said, no, today is Sabbath. And then, obviously, the Jews got scared. They're like, well, maybe that's it. Maybe we had it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we're done. No more month. So Moses is saying, no, no, no. Today you're not going to find it. Why does it say today you're not going to find it? To be exclusive. Today you won't find it. Tomorrow you'll find it. Don't worry. It's not stopping we're just giving honor to the Sabbath. Now, this verse says three times today in connection to the month. Today is the Sabbath. Um, sorry, eat it today, because today is the Sabbath for God, and today you won't find it in the field. And we say this is a hint. Obviously, this is the first time about the Sabbath. Today we're talking about the Sabbath. is a hint that we have three meals on the Sabbath. The first meal eat it today, the second meal, because it's a Sabbath today for God, and the third meal today, you will not find it in the field. And because the third meal is connected to a negation of the finding of food, today you will not find it in the field. That's how we have the custom to eat lightly, and we don't necessarily wash for bread as our third meal of the Sabbath, because it's a meal associated with not eating. Okay. Have a good Shabbat.